we are joined by actor and playwright Daryl Draper. I felt like I was, you know, I was someone else. I was the blooming Tin Man from Wizard of Oz. It's a really admirable thing you're doing, creating something that's not primarily for your own gain. A lot of conventional fear in education really fails to engage young people on multiple levels. So my whole ethos is bridging the gap between the arts and class. Right then, folks, what'll it be? Right, hello everyone. I I never know how to start these episodes, so we're just going to jump straight in. Here's another episode of Two Actors Walking to a Bar, and we're joined by a guest. We are joined by actor and playwright Daryl Draper. Hello, Daryl. How's it going? You all right? Yeah, we're good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's nice to meet you. We've got a question that we ask all our guests. It's very important. What are you drinking? I am drinking... Um, a hazelnut rum and Ooh, coke. Fancy. I'm still undecided <laughs> about it though. I got it for my birthday. It's the Dead Man's Fingers one, and they do all kind of strange oh, cool. flavors. They do a raspberry one. So if you have, if you're a fan of rum, the Dead Man's Fingers raspberry rum is really nice. However, the jury's out on this hazelnut one. I love hazelnut, usually <laughs> coffee, like hazelnut coffee, and but I'm not sure if it really works with rum. Mm. But I, I don't know. It's a bit strange. It's kind of like having a hazelnut coke. It doesn't really work. The two don't really go together very well. But I appreciate the sentiment. So if my partner's pa- pa- if my partner's parents are listening to this, I really appreciate the gesture. And I will drink the whole bottle. Just letting you know for future birthdays and Christmases that maybe don't get it again. <laughs> and if anyone from Dead Man's Fingers is listening, uh, I don't know, sponsor us. Why not? We've shouted you yeah, out Yeah, I mean, enough. I like your other rums. I- I'm willing to speak highly of your other rums. Like I said, the raspberry rum's good. The coffee one's good. Actually, they do a coffee rum, and that one does actually work, interestingly. One thing, well, when we originally invited you on, it was because you were one of the inspirations for an episode we did a couple of weeks ago, which was about the casting calls that ask for real people or no acting experience required and stuff like that. This was from a video that we saw on Actors UK where you mocked the ones that ask for real people. Starting off with that, what kind of inspired you to make that video? Is it just one casting too many that's like, hey, we don't want actors, we want real people <laughs> and do you think that us actors are actually real are we are we real is this real i'm looking at a laptop you two could be simulations for all i know <laughs> um, so yeah, i'm surprised you didn't have one of those things that I had to tick like i'm not a bot you know uh, <laughs> how many lampposts can you see in this photo or whatever um but yeah it was kind do of that for guests in the future yeah no that's good yeah good because you know Actors are becoming more advanced now, so you've got to be careful, you know. Um, <laughs> can't be trusted. No, we can't. But no, it was it was kind of, yeah, it was what you just said there, basically. One too many. I mean, it's an ongoing thing. For in the past, like, I've, I've really, if I see a patronising kind of post or a patronising breakdown on Mandy, I, I will apply to it in a patronising way. And you know what? It's actually landed me gigs sometimes. Sometimes I've applied in a really sarcastic way. And I've got the job. They're like, yeah, we loved it. We loved your, we loved your tape. And I was thinking, I'm thinking, really? I was taking the piss, but okay, great, um, amazing. Uh, and some of them were like, no, I'm taking the mic. And like, Do you know what? Yeah, we liked it. In fact, funny enough, off of the back of a video I posted to Actors UK, uh, a casting director did get in touch with me. It was like, I've got a shoot coming up. Like, I think you'd be great for. So you know, <laughs> you never know, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it is kind of that just ongoing frustration. You know, you see it every day. Yeah, and it is, and it, not only that, but other things 
like, for example, especially when we was in the height of the pandemic, that some of the things that CDs were requesting and asking for, and it's kind of like, you no longer have to be an actor, you've got to be an actor with this type of camera, green screen, this, that, and mm. the other. And I've engaged in um, debates, um, or should I say diplomatic arguments, with like CDs <laughs> even on Twitter, who were like, someone, I remember someone posted something like, I'm really struggling to find scene partners for these self-tapes, and my, my family are shy, I don't know who to read against. And yeah. some casting director was like, make them do it, you have to have... And I was like... So you tell this person that they have to force their family into doing this self-tape in the middle of a global pandemic when everyone's got their own <laughs> shit to deal with. So you're not only basically requesting our time, you're requesting our time plus this person plus that person to submit a self-tape that might not even be viewed. My yeah. kind of motto is you know, respect our profession and we'll respect yours. But yeah. sometimes the amount of disrespect I see towards actors, I kind of, I, I question some CDs. I think, why are you working in this industry if you hate actors so much? Do you know what I mean? I don't, mm-hmm. I don't get it. So like make things as challenging as possible. Yeah. And then you just feel like you're jumping through hoops with things. Self-tapes have really kind of helped many people out over the last year and a half where travel restrictions have been placed, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, pre-pandemic, Sometimes I did question whether, you know, the self-tapes were a way for to cut down on expenses, really, to cut down on the need to hire space, to do this, to do that. It's basically just putting the ball in our court, kind of. I mean, I'm the type of person who would much rather, obviously, in safer circumstances, go and audition in person. Because I also think, I, I mean, as someone who has cast before and as a director, I kind of think it's more of a true testament putting someone on the spot in a room a physical space whereas if you're self-taping I can I can just do it again and again and again until I'm yeah. happy with it and it's perfect but to be honest with you we all know that if for example if you're casting for theatre especially you know you need to be able to kind of respond in the moment because you don't have that luxury you know in theatre mm. or even on film and TV sets you don't have that luxury you can't have as many takes as you want um, so in a way it really is kind of a very superficial way to cast anyway but that's just my mm. opinion it sound, it's similar to something that a previous guest this series Chris Hawley said it's like he hates the idea of self-tapes because you don't get a feel for the person because you need to know yeah. if they can act, but you also need to know if you're going to get on with them as well. Yeah, yeah, You yeah. can't really get that when you're just staring at a screen and someone going, hi, I'm David McCulloch. I'm an actor. Here's my hands. Here's my profile. Here's the back of my head. And yeah. here's my face. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe I should do that as my eye dance for self-tapes in the future. Yeah, I don't unless it requests it. I don't bother doing that. And I, I kind of think, should I be doing that with every self tape? Should I be doing that? Also, yeah, I just find the whole process of filming myself just quite yeah because obviously in an audition process you're not watching yourself. Whereas it's really, I think it's really hard to act if you're staring at yourself. If you know what I mean, if you if you're aware mm-hmm. that you're being recorded, it's kind of like you're always you're, you're analysing your performance in the moment. Whereas, yeah. obviously, if I can't see myself, I can just allow myself to be fully invested in the character and not be self-conscious. Yeah, there's instinctual things that will just come out in the moment that you don't get the luxury of having when you're sat there taping yourself with yeah. nobody watching and <laughs> trying to keep your family quiet downstairs. <laughs> Funnily enough, I I saw somebody on, I think it was uh, one of the Facebook pages for actors, and this woman had said, like, I've been pumping every ounce of effort I've got into this for the last year because I was made redundant from my other job. So I thought, well, whereas usually I'd had to split my time 
because I had a job job as well. I just thought, right, well, this is all I've got. She said that she was getting her elderly neighbour from like three doors down um, (laughs) to come and read in in her garden. And I was thinking, how fucking annoying. I mean, even if you stood in your conservatory or something and you're recording yourself and they're sat outside on a chair, (laughs) like reading in for you, the birds start tweeting or a dog starts barking in the next garden or something and you're just thrown off. And imagine having to ask said reader from a couple of doors down to go through it all again I just that's dedication I think there was some sort of like cake exchange or something <laughs> oh is that poor old lady <laughs> yeah I hope they got the part they deserve it for going yeah, to that well, much yeah, effort I mean yeah I mean there's ways around it obviously like I mean I know many people do it who record lines on their phone and then play it whilst they, and they respond to the lines they've recorded I once mm. just for a laugh decided to act all characters and edit all together so when the camera cut nice. away it was me as the other character just because I was like <laughs> why not eh I didn't get the role, obviously, but it was it was fun doing it. Um, yeah, I know. Sometimes the requirements are a bit like. I mean, I haven't got a, a proper camera. Um, I've got mm. your basic kind of tripod and those blooming ring lights that everyone has now. What I find really difficult is when, for example, there's things in the stage directions like, oh, then the floor explodes or a meteor <laughs> comes through the roof or you know you're standing on a volcano or they want you to or, or you're falling from a building or you're in a car chase so i just kind of think god it's just gonna look so ro- ropey like how do you enact car chase in your living room like what am i going to use as a, a steering wheel my frying pan dinner plate like, do, you, do you know what i mean like kind of some of the stuff they require props wise and not only that i'm very aware that i'm sat in my living room and i just can't invest in it because i think this is just cringe i'm just sat here on my mm. sofa trying to you know, act out this car chaser, whatever it is, or I'm on a bouncy castle and it's just like, ugh. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I've applied for some jobs on Mandy and gotten self-tape requests come through and it's like, can you get this to us in two days? And yeah. it's like just a giant fucking mm. monologue and I'm like, yeah. no. <laughs> no. And then I'm like, do they want me to have learned all that? This also relates to what you were saying about casting directors earlier. There was a bit of controversy on acting Twitter. A few months ago i don't know what's time anymore this could have been five years ago for all i know but there was a casting director who shall remain nameless tweeted something saying that hey if you're an actor coming to an audition you need to if you don't learn your lines you clearly don't want it i'm paraphrasing obviously because they've deleted the tweet so i can't remember what they said but obviously their point was if you don't learn your lines, you clearly don't want it, so don't waste our time. And everyone, including actors and casting directors, just went in on this guy like, what the fuck? And he never apologised. They never apologised. Whoops, Freudian slip of their gender. (laughs) People listening will know who this person is. I know some people who, like, will learn a script, like, inside out, off by heart, like, for an audition, and then Mm. they invest hours in it. But when you think mm-hmm. about it, they could be written off within the first five seconds. Because uh, yeah. I, I generally think that actually a casting director will know if they want you within like the first 10 seconds. Like in, in terms of, you know, obviously the aesthetic, you know, what you look like, what you sound like, you know, there's so many kind of factors that even if you go in there and you've learned it inside out and give an outstanding performance, you just might not be right for the part. Um, mm. um, like I, I've, I've, I mean, I've, I've heard cast, some casting directors say, "Yeah, we usually know within the first fifteen to thirty seconds." So that's why these days, when it comes to self tapes, I think to myself, "Okay, how badly do I want this part? How am I right for the part?" Also, am I, is me pouring an hour, two hours, three hours into this going to be worth my time at the end of the day? There are high expectations out there, um, but it's odd because then 
I've heard some people uh, who have had like traditional drama school training, who've been to the top drama schools like RADA Central, they've mm-hmm. said to me before, well, I, when I've learned speeches, they've gone to me, um, oh, we were told never to learn anything. Go in there and just give it kind of like a, not a cold read, but like a, like a neutral read. Like, And I was like, no. oh, okay, that's surprising. I don't know. I don't feel like, I feel like I need to at least have read it a bit beforehand and prepared something what they meant is like obviously read it but don't go in there with it learnt or don't go in there with any kind of decisions made and I was thinking to myself but isn't that the job of an actor to make certain decisions to yeah. present offerings and that's pretty why mm. these certain individuals were crap um, in the audition <laughs> I'm not going to lie I'm not going to lie but I remember I remember they, they when they said they were from Rada and Central I remember going well crap that's me out of the water do you know what I mean I was like oh, bollocks yeah. but they stood up and I honestly was like, shit, what did you pay all that money for? Like, honestly, like, <laughs> what, what, what were you doing there? And sometimes I think people just go to drama school just to have the name. Because it does, it does unlock certain doors. Absolutely. You know, yeah. if you've got Rada or Central on your, your, your spotlight, it does open doors. You know, um, you just have to be able to, you know, perform once you're through the door, basically. Another one for you, miss? I had a casting thing for on Mandy the other day that was specifically asking for a triple threat actress. And I thought to myself, I was like, like you say, the multifaceted, they, they want more and more from people. Mm, yeah. And then when those people go out and get that training and try to give more and more, it's like, no, fuck off. <laughs> like, you, you're one or the other. Yeah, yeah. Make your minds up. You, you, at the end of the day, you just got to take it as you can't please all the people all of the time. There'll be some people out there that love you literally because they've pictured something like you and then you walk into the room. It wouldn't matter what came out of your mouth. You're exactly what they wanted. I mean, do you know what I mean? I, I do think a lot of people are aware from the start. It's so heavily based on image. I have a friend who, um, and also what you're saying there, you know, they want they want more and more, but for less and less. So they want more mm. and more, mm-hmm. but they're not willing to pay the, the proper yeah. rate or whatever. Um, but I had a friend, just we both went to the same audition, and my friend completely fucked up. He he like he admitted, he said he forgot mm. the words, he, he apologised to them, he said, I'm so sorry, I'm underprepared. He said that out loud. Oh, wow. Yeah, that, <laughs> That's like being in man. a car crash and admitting fault. It's yeah. like, no, no, don't admit fault. <laughs> David. No, but he did. Uh, like It was awful, apparently. But then he got the role. He got the role really? and he was shocked. Like, he was going, I can't believe I got it. He said it he, when he was offered the role, he said to them over the phone, like, what, you know, he was genuinely stunned. He was like, why? I was crap, basically. He was like, I it. and they literally just said, we saw something in you. It was the bacon and eggs you had for breakfast. Like, <laughs> yeah. Random. Yeah, yeah. It's so hazy. They are, to some degree, allowed or able to make up the rules as they go along. Absolutely, it's, yeah. It's, as it suits the individual, isn't it? And it's just, even like things like, I've, I've had conversation with people in the past and they've been like, talking about baby names. And they're like, oh, why don't you like that name? You're like, oh, because I went to school with this girl that was absolutely vile. So that's like <laughs> why I don't like the name, I don't know, Rosie. Yeah, that's yeah. just completely random. No offence to any Rosies out there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry, Rosies. Um, but like, can you imagine that having like a list of auditionees? And mm. oh, I don't. Yeah. You just get a, bad taste because of some experience that you've had maybe and you're like yeah we won't give her the part she sounds like a bitch <laughs> yeah <laughs> she's called rosie Ugh. yeah 
They're just able to do that. I don't think it's right, but it will happen. And nobody, I don't think, will ever be able to impact that. Yeah, I mean, everything's subjective in this industry. Yeah, it's so hard to kind of crack the formula of what makes a successful actor or what, you know. It, sometimes just the luck of the draw. Like, yeah, again, yeah. I know yeah. someone who was like literally spotted and that's how they got their big break. Mm. We've said a lot, haven't we? Right place, right time. Yeah. Like, yeah. there is a bit of luck in it. I think, and now, here's where a good segue comes in. Uh, a lot of actors, you know, sometimes are finding it hard to get noticed in the industry. So, in terms of looking for work, they end up deciding to go down a different path and make their own work, which is what you've done with Dust and Such. Look at that segue. It's <laughs> like I'm a proper interviewer or something. <laughs> that, was, that was really good. Thank you very much. Don't, his head will just... <laughs> <laughs> Dust and Such is a play that you've written and it's inspired by life on a Havering council estate. From what I'm aware is that you've got Arts Council funding for it. You've had a research and development. Tell us a bit about where this play came from and what stage you're at now with it. Yeah, so last year it got Arts Council funding for research and development. Mm. And yeah, we had which kind of ended in and resulted in a rehearsed reading with uh, Havering based artists. Um, with a youth worker who works in uh, Havering at Harold Hill My Place. So she works with, with a lot of young people. And because obviously the central characters in this play are young people of that area, I wanted to make sure that I was doing them justice. So, and from that process, I've you know redrafted it. It's in a much better place mm-hmm. now. Like, I'm quite, quite happy with the draft. Uh, I've applied for a second round of funding. I'm still waiting on the decision for. Um, but if I get that, then basically what I aim to do is do a, a full production of it at Applecart Arts Theatre, mm. uh, have it live streamed, have it made available on demand to schools, colleges, community centres, um, and to people mm. of a low social economic background for free. So I kind of want to offer them a quality theatre product at no cost to them. And to, to, to schools, colleges and community centres, I'll be sending this out with, for example, a, uh, a, a educational pack. Because um, obviously I'm also trained as a teacher and I've taught in school and college. Mm. So for, for, it's going to be basically sort of a new like new wave of fear and education for, you know, the, the, the post-pandemic world. It's a safe alternative to the conventional touring TIE. And also what I aim to do with it is actually offer as I said, uh, quality theatre that's more reflective of the industry. Yeah. I think the, the main issue... Cause, so basically, I'm originally from um, Romford in Essex, and Romford mm. is one of the areas in the lower third of arts and culture engagement. And for people like in these areas, their first exposure to theatre is usually within school, yeah. TIE. And I think sometimes a lot of conventional theatre and education really fails to engage young people on multiple levels. And I feel like if their uh, experience of theatre and education is a poor one, they're less likely to be interested interested in mm. the arts going forward. But if I can give them a play that they can sort of identify with, that's going to engage them, that's going to be impactful, then hopefully it's going to get them interested in the arts going forward. So that's my whole aim with the project. I actually think that's really, like, it's a really admirable thing you're doing. Um, you're creating something that's not primarily for your own gain, but instead with those in mind that may well need their first leg up or, in fact, just to get people that otherwise wouldn't get the opportunity interested there's not a lot of people like you Mm. out there i'd say yeah thank you (laughs) that's yeah that's my aim no 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 worries hopefully yeah i get the next round of funding to make it a possibility but yeah absolutely that's kind of what my intention was is because obviously yeah when i was younger the biggest theater 
in obviously Havering is Queen's Theatre. And Douglas Rintoul, the artistic director, actually was the person that actually inspired me to do the Arts Council application because it had never occurred to me to do an Arts Council application because that was way out of my remit before doing it. And it was kind of a real, it was a slog getting the first round of funding mm. for someone who is inexperienced. They don't make them accessible. But yeah, so Queen's <laughs> Theatre is the biggest theatre where I'm from. And um, before Doug got involved, Queen's Theatre was quite an elitist theatre. It only re-represented the middle class. It catered to the middle class. It was for the middle class. So it was kind of inaccessible to actors like myself. Even after I got my training, even after I was considered a professional qualified actor, the doors were shut, basically. They always worked on this Mm. ethos of, we work with Mm. our own team, or we have our own pool of actors. (laughs) So kind of like, and and when, for example, you are an an artist from that area and your biggest theatre seems close to you, it can be quite daunting. You're like, well, where am I going to get this experience? Where am I going to get these opportunities? Luckily, I found other ways, and uh, the London theatre scene has been a lot more, far more welcoming Mm. and accessible, and I've gained the experience over the years. But yeah, kind of what I want to do is, for those those actors, young actors, living in those areas, like Romford, Harold Hill, Havering, Essex, yeah, I want to give them like a leg up, yeah. So a leg up on the acting ladder, give them their first professional paid gig, to then help them, you know, kind of, I suppose, like bridge that gap a little bit more. So my whole ethos mm-hmm. is bridging the gap between the arts and class. Yeah, get more kind of people from low socioeconomic areas into theatre, into paid positions. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I did with the last one. You know, I, I wanted to do it because in, in the middle of the pandemic, I wanted to give, you know, the working class actors of that area some income and opportunity to do what they love, basically. And that's what mm-hmm. I kind of want to continue mm-hmm. doing going forward. Yeah, it's like offering the olive branch, isn't it? Because I think sort of once you've got the ball rolling and and you can say you've done more than maybe just amateur or just sort of A-level or B-tech, you've got one Mm. first professional credit and I think it's four now for Spotlight. So you've only got three to go. And and I don't know, once you've had one, you've got something to write on your CV. You've got something to talk about. Do you know what I mean? So when you go into that audition room it just it just opens doors so absolutely it's so yeah, hard also great. getting the first it's, it's so hard getting those first pay credits for spotlight for mm. example it's like to be honest with you spotlight was far easier to get on than it is now i've got a friend from my area who's trying to get on spotlight and they just it seems like they make it almost impossible now and it's kind of like it's always been the chicken and egg scenario because it's like they want you to have x amount of paid professional credits but you need spotlight to yeah. get x amount of paid professional credits you need an agent to get x amount of paid professional credits but to get an agent you need spotlight mm. so it's all this yeah. cra- it's like a fucking roundabout and i'm not gonna lie mm. i kind of i was able to blag my way onto spotlight but i think if i was an actor now i think i'd, I'd struggle um I mean, not now, obviously, because now I've got the experience, but what I'm saying is if I was just starting out now, yeah. It's almost like you you Mm. don't really know where to start, to be honest. Like, for me, I spent a lot of... After university, I spent a lot of my years in Amdram, and I I always wanted to be a professional actor, but I was like, I doubt some big film director is going to come to a little theatre at the bottom of Winchester Town Centre and, you know, pluck me out (laughs) of nowhere. But it, I got my first professional credit because of someone I knew at that theatre who's she ran a professional company with her mother who was a playwright. And then I auditioned and got a professional credit that way. And Scarlett got her professional credit because a director saw her end of year show. He was supposed to come another night, but he couldn't make it. So it's mm-hmm. essentially luck. Right place, right time. But then you get that foot in the door. So we, we got our experiences from luck. So it's really... It is, admirable that you're giving you're actually giving people that experience and making it a bit easier for them to 
get into this industry yeah. and you mentioned as well about arts council funding i've had experience with that as well and the only reason i was able i did a research and development last year for a play i wrote the only reason i was able to get arts council funding was because the director had experience of that so was able to help me out yeah. for anyone that doesn't know about arts council funding what would you say your experience of that was did you have any help getting funding for your research and development or did you just kind of have to just go in blind essentially for it it's quite daunting essentially you're just going can i have some money please (laughs) it's worth (laughs) it i promise (laughs) yeah yeah it can be daunting um and i I did have help like um in terms of i I said Douglas Ringsall was the one that said to me, you know, have you thought about Arts Council funding? And to me, that was like an alien thing. I was like, oh, I don't know. And I attended a workshop that Havering Changing were doing. Got a little bit of insight about how to to basically write it or what mm. to say. Yeah, had meetings with certain people to hash things out. Um, but then obviously, I independently I independently wrote the application, so it was all my, it was all my own words and all that. But I just had a bit of advice going into mm. it, a bit of guidance. But if I was to if I was to give any kind of advice or guidance to anyone just, you know, going into it, just persevere. Like there were times, you know, throughout the application where I, I was second guessing myself, like every every step of the way I was thinking to myself, am I wasting my time here? Oh, this just seems like an endless hurdle. I wanted to give up, but I didn't. I just persevered and it, it felt like a shot in the dark. But I ended up getting it, I ended up mm. being successful. So I think just trust the process, trust in yourself, understand that, you know, it's not just you, you know, because I think what puts people off is, you know, what, when they're doing it, they're thinking, oh, why am I finding this so difficult? Why am I? It is difficult, yeah. it is hard. And allow yourself to feel frustrated, allow yourself to have that emotion and know that it's not just you. Know that, you know, it <laughs> is, it is difficult. And for, I think for anyone at any stage of their career, and seek help. Don't be afraid to sort of just, you know, reach out to someone, you know. Yeah, don't don't be afraid to, to seek help or look stupid, basically. You know, I was, you know, I didn't want to look mm. stupid. And I suppose if you've got, the thing is, if you've got passion for the project, you'll see it for anyway, regardless. Do you know what I mean? If yeah. you've got true passion, mm. I think actually, I think actually it's a true test. You'll know if you're passionate about what you want to do uh, when you start writing <laughs> Arts Council application and whether you finish it or not. Yeah. <laughs> Right then, mate. After the same again. Saxons at Sutton Hoo. Green children in Woolpit. Smugglers at Sizewell. And Ed Sheeran by the Castle on the Hill. Suffolk is full of fascinating stuff, and I'm here to deep dive into it all. Join me. Emily Slade and my guests every Friday as I look into the different areas of the county by the sea. From film to folklore, history to Haverhill, there's definitely something about Suffolk. So I'm interested to know what was your first experience of theatre? What made you want to be involved in this industry? Back when you were a normal person. <laughs> Back when yeah. you were a real person, before you became this <laughs> before you became this automated actor. Before I was transformed. This computer program on my laptop screen right now. <laughs> yeah. Um I'm trying to think of a specific moment. Do you know what? Okay. I uh, my first sort of experience with theatre was like I think most people's was in a school play. I was the Tin Man, Wizard of Oz. Nice. 
And I, I remember my dad made me this amazing costume. Like, he made it, this Tin Man. And I just remember, like, feeling really proud, sort of stood there with my costume, my blooming face painted silver, um, and my fake axe. <laughs> that kid running around in a school with an axe, that would be deemed uh, not acceptable in this day and age. Why? Dad went um, to be in kid. <laughs> Yeah, that he was all out, you know, method. You know, he wanted to, to look, you know, look good. He wanted you um, to be proper, like school child Gary Oldman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, in fact, you know, because the Tim, yeah, he has, Tim Man hasn't got a heart, so basically he spent the, you know, the weeks leading up to the performance, you know, numbing me, you know, like kind of making sure that I was avoid of any human emotion, oh. emotion via certain tactics. Um, he locks me in a cupboard for uh, a few days. Um, no, but I just remember feeling like great. I felt I felt like I was part of something. Basically, I felt like I was, you know, I was someone else. I was the blooming Tin Man from <laughs> Wizard of Oz. But at that age, I hadn't gone. Oh yes, I want to be in the theatre. Yeah. I was just happy to be dressed up for like an hour or whatever. Mm. Um, but then when I went to secondary school, I wasn't very well behaved. Like, I, like, I would, I've got ADHD, but I wasn't diagnosed to have ADHD until I was in university. Mm. Mm. So not much kind of obtain or, or held my focus drama was the only thing that kind of gave me a positive outlet for the energy but in drama like it was the thing that kind of made me want to go yeah. to school not not many other subjects i used to, i hated school i hated it so much drama was the only bearable thing about it i decided then to go to college back when i could decide to go to college and it was my decision <laughs> um uh is yeah do uh, performing arts and yeah, I just kind of found my calling that way. It's a really kind of generic story and I haven't really got kind of a standout kind of, oh, I remember my first fear experience or I remember my first play because I don't really. It's more of a gradual build up to it, isn't it? A very, yeah, no, yeah. Up something big, essentially. Yeah, it kind of has felt like a natural part of my life since I was, well, since I started doing drama at school. Many people I trained with, many people I went to college with who have sort of left it behind and moved on to other things, which is, you know, that's their, you know, that's their life decision. But I've never imagined myself being in any other field apart from the creative arts field. In fact, the thought of it, I, the thing is, what I always said when I was young and a bit naive and a bit delusional, I said to myself, you know, if I'm not like a multimillionaire by 30, I'm going to give it up. Well, I'm 31 now and I can assure you I'm not a multimillionaire. Um, and yet I'm still doing it. So that's yeah. what means something, you mm. know. We said, haven't we, about it not necessarily being a want because we're all aware that work can be precarious. It's like as and when at times especially when there's a fucking pandemic um, <laughs> but that aside yeah. you it's it's a it's a need not a one mm. yeah i just remember even from primary school always thinking like oh it's just an excuse for people to mess about and try and be funny but i always had this deep-seated urge to do something more serious and more dramatic and yeah. i kept wanting to do that through secondary school and college and university and then it's again it's kind of it wasn't one particular moment or one particular panto. I went, that's what I want to do. It was a slow, yeah. gradual buildup of just needing to be on stage, just needing to perform. <laughs> God, yeah, if I went on exactly. my first actual experience, I think I'd have been put off for life. What was your to... first experience? Oh, it was... Was, it, was it the nativity? <laughs> it was the nativity. <laughs> Being asked to make actual birthing noises at the tender age of seven as Mary. <laughs> oh, wow. Very strange. Wow. Very, very strange. And I've never felt more uncomfortable in all my life, I don't think. But only like two years later, we did The Wizard of Oz, funnily enough. And I was 
um, oh Christ, what are they called? They're not Oompa Loompas. What are they in the Wizard of Oz? Munchkins. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was Chief Munchkin because I could put on the voice. So I was like, this shit, this is great. <laughs> I love it. So, yeah, I mean, but again, I wouldn't pin it down to one moment. I suspect there's very few people that can mm-hmm. unless, I don't know. I'm sure it makes a good story on like Graham Norton or something to say. Oh, I watched exactly. Yeah, I watched a particular <laughs> performance of Aladdin with I don't know Keith Chegwin. I, just, I picked someone off or Christopher Biggins. I don't know. Someone in turn was like, Ah, oh, that's what I want to do. I don't know why I went Keith Chegwin. <laughs> I'm sure he did Panto. Who's the one that you always see from EastEnders? Barry. Barry from EastEnders. Barry is oh, always wa- in them as well. Yeah. Oh, Barry from EastEnders. His real name is Sean something. Sean, that's Sean. it. Sean Ritchie. Oh, Shane no. Ritchie. Sean Ritchie's- Shane, Shane Ritchie. Yes. Yeah. He's Alfie, yeah. isn't he? Yes. He was Alfie, I think. Yeah. yeah. But Barry, Barry's called Sean as well, isn't he? <laughs> I don't even know. Sean, Too many Sean's. Shane. <laughs> Shane's called Shane, not Sean. Yeah. <laughs> Are these oh, people even Sean, in EastEnders Shane. anymore? <laughs> I haven't seen it in years. Probably. Uh, no, no, they're not. Oh. I only know because it's always on in the background because my mum is a... I was going to say a soap whore, but you can't call your mum a soap whore. That is just... Brilliant, that's staying in. <laughs> so you listen to that and be like, you fucking bitch. How dare you do me dirty like that on your podcast? Who do you think you are? I keep a roof over your head. Your mum, like mine, is already trying to censor some of the stuff we say on the podcast. So she's not going to like that because I'm keeping that in the edit. that You've called your mum a soap whore. Just... I don't know anyone, uh, but I'm going to say 20 upwards to 35 that watches soaps religiously like our parents did. If I hear there's a funny storyline, I might watch the EastEnders Christmas special because it's usually someone dies or someone blows up or Danny Dyer punches someone or something. And it's just ridiculous nonsense that... Morbid curiosity. Essentially, yeah. They did Titanic, didn't they, this year? Like, uh, oh, tuned, God, like, yeah. I was picking the channels and they were on a bloody boat. I was like, wow, EastEnders production budget's gone up a bit, in it? They've got a boat. Oh, wow. There's people drowning. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, somebody even got locked. I, I'm a big fan. You're a soap whore as well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, taking, I'm taking the soap whore baton. <laughs> I've inherited it. But yeah, somebody got locked in a room and he was only like 14 and he was... And he died. Obviously, he didn't actually die because it's a soap opera. You have to remember they're not real. Merry Christmas, everyone. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Uh, We'll chuck a funeral in at New Year. Happy days. Not like anyone's heard enough about death this year or anything. (laughs) But if any casting directors for soap operas are listening, all three of us are available. And why why not? (laughs) Ready and waiting to go. (laughs) I'll get killed at Christmas. We respect respect your art form. (laughs) Yes. You know, we are... We're big EastEnders fans. We absolutely love your storylines. You know, um, lock me in a room or, or put me on a boat. Listen, that's the kind of sarcastic attitude that got you jobs before. So it'll get you a job now. <laughs> well, yeah. To quote a catchphrase in this podcast, we've gone off topic. <laughs> this is what happened. As we mentioned before we started, Daryl, we, we have no structure. I'm amazed we've had questions at all, but we've actually done research. This, p- people listening, this is us when we do research and actually research <laughs> the guests and their product or project. But it's so. still got to be loosey-goosey, a bit chatty, you know? Absolutely. He doesn't want to come up here and just be like, question, 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 question. Exactly. The hazelnut it's rum boring. is flowing. I mean, I'm, the bottle's empty now, isn't it, Daryl? You're on to the whatever exotic flavours next. Yeah, no, I should go get a raspberry rum. 
Yeah, I should have. I should have set set them up. I should have done like a like you guys doing like cracking them open. But I just bought the one glass because I'm foolish. <laughs> Dave has. He comes prepared with a bowl with icing and everything. I just let mine wow. go warm. I'm not that good. It's really, I should have a mini fridge up here so that I can just you know open it and be like, yep, there we go. <laughs> Ice bucket, crack open, just really crank up the electricity bill. I mean, yeah, you know, we're all struggling to pay bills in lockdown, but fuck it, I'll have a mini fridge up here. <laughs> hey, social distancing done right. You don't have to go down to the kitchen. You know what I mean? Mm. You're kind of taking every measure possible. Exactly. Yeah. I would say to my girlfriend, it's because of social distancing. I know we're living together, but it just means I can. Two meters. Yeah. <laughs> and stay away from the fucking mini fridge. <laughs> Although we can go to the pub now. Well, again, when this episode comes out, who knows what will have happened. Maybe we'll be back in lockdown four. I don't know. But at the moment... (laughs) Pubs will be shut. (laughs) But at the moment, pubs are open. I know this because everyone on Twitter was like, I'm at a pub. Look at me. It's like... (laughs) I'm drinking out. What makes me laugh is like, obviously you're only allowed to drink outside, right? So they're like, oh, this is this is a new experience. Southside drinking. Oh, you mean new, like you know, when you were sitting in your garden drinking. Yes, yeah, a very diverse experience you've got paying there. More. I mean, just go out and you yeah, just go out in your garden again, sit down, have a drink, and if you want a bit of uh, banter in the background, I don't know, put the radio on or something. Or shout at your neighbour who you get to do self tapes with. Yeah, <laughs> or play EastEnders in the background. <laughs> just just put an episode of EastEnders on the background. You'd be in the oh my god, I've, the Queen Vic. That's it. Almost forgot the name of the so... blooming pub. The Queen Vic. <laughs> back to back to serious questioning now. Well, as serious as I get. Um, so this relates back to the episode we did a couple of weeks ago where we talked about the casting calls ask for real people, but then there's also the other side where it's the casting calls state no acting experience necessary. So I wonder where you fall, because when we put the initial tweet out saying, hey, actors, what do you think about these casting calls? Expecting a few responses. And then suddenly we unleashed a a massive debate on Twitter with loads of people responding. And it's like, oh, God, what have we done? (laughs) Literally, Scarlett and I were just like, what the fuck have we done? Some people were nasty, though. Like Some people really went for it. They got all keyboard warrior-ish on us. Really? Yeah. Oh, no. Hey, we got some followers out of it and we got lots of like um, new listens on that day, which is probably like the best we got midweek. So it's like, there you go. Thanks. Welcome to all your new listeners. Thank you very much. <laughs> but so in terms of those casting calls that ask for people that, you know, they put out jobs and they say, looking for these, act- looking for these characters, no acting experience necessary. Where do you fall on that? If, yeah, it's, it's all good one because, okay, I can see things from both sides of the equations. Okay, so on one side, you've got people who, you know, um, are dying to get into the industry, but they don't know how, haven't got the qualifications, haven't got X, Y, and Z. So this might be mm-hmm. their only opportunity to get into it by giving, giving this opportunity. On the other hand, you've got all the actors who have worked their asses off for years and years who are in 30, 40 grand's worth of debt, you know, still dying to get into the industry. And, you know, they're being shut out because... Um, it's like that as you know, all those qualifications they don't, they don't mean shit because obviously they want someone who hasn't got the experience for an action job. So it sounds kind of contradictory, you know, on paper. You know, they want an inexperienced actor to take on a role. It depends on what they're looking for. Do you know what I mean? It all de- yeah. For me, it's all about context. That's the thing. I know mm-hmm. that, for example, um, shows like Top Boy do it a lot. 
So shows like Top mm. Boy, I know they're always looking for like kind of real authentic people from a certain area or of a certain persuasion. Um, and that might be just down to the, the, directorial, the, the directorial style. When I was casting Dust and Such, I put out an advertisement, a casting call, that was both welcoming of experienced actors and inexperienced actors. Because I kind of feel like, mm. yeah, again, it comes down to the fact that if they're right for the part, they're right for the part. If I look at the self-tape and I like what I see, you know, regardless of what they've got on the CV, I'm going to offer them the role. Do you know what I mean? If they're mm. right for the part, um, just yeah. because they haven't gone to drama school or if they have gone to drama school, you know. Um, although with Dust and Such, I did try to steer clear of anyone who did have traditional drama school training because I kind of felt like, well, if I was to basically give a job to someone from RADA or East 15 or whatever, then it's kind of counterproductive to what I was going for. Yeah. So I just tried to get actors who were as authentic to the area as possible and as, you know, like working class or, you know, who I thought would benefit from from the opportunity. Again, it, it does kind of come down to the whole social media thing. And I think us posting that on social media did spark a debate among people. And I, I remember we got an email and this came from someone who emailed after we'd already recorded the episode where they said that they'd spoken out about it before and then they'd been told by their agent not to because it could affect their yeah. career type thing. And then they were like, but should I not be allowed to speak my mind? And then they were able to do that through emailing us they asked for a pseudonym and that pseudonym was david and i was like david's my name that might make it sound like it's me um, <laughs> you can't have my name <laughs> yeah. uh which i but yeah I, I i thought it was interesting like and then that kind of made me think like i are there a lot of actors out there because we did get quite a few emails from people and obviously with emails we anonymize them and so are there people that want to speak out about this but are afraid to but then there are people on twitter just happy to just Oh, speak yeah. their mind <laughs> as, as everyone does on twitter to be like just get rid of twitter really um <laughs> i don't know it's a it's a tricky one i think in it kind of unites people by saying hey we're open to everyone but at the same time it divides people because you've got everyone that's poured in money and time and whatnot and then it's like yeah. oh but despite the fact i've worked so many years of my life and poured so much money i'm in yeah. so much debt i'm still on the same level as someone who hasn't but then that gives the opportunity to someone who might not have been able to pour time and money and effort and stuff like that so we had a comment on a tweet last night um from a lady called debbie honeywood and she appeared in the ken loach film sorry we missed you she actually screenshotted the casting call that she received the advert uh, that she answered i'll read it to you it says they would send um just two to three minutes about where they're from where they grew up their family any kind of jobs that they've had acting or other jobs um that kind of thing please don't spend a lot of time just make it natural light mm. natural chat it also required that you had both acting and carer experience so that was obviously going to be part of the role so you'd be able to pull on real experience you'd had which to some degree makes it kind of method acting which nobody would have an issue with you using any of those yeah. techniques normally you can make it obvious what the casting call requires in a person rather than just saying i don't know <laughs> only real people it's just that is so <laughs> hard. lazy isn't it yeah it's just lazy it is it is yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you hit the nail on the head there with basically, yeah, in the information. Yeah, again, it's all about context. Like, um, 
yeah, if you want something specific, be specific because you know, the, to, to be honest, we we have the luxury in this in this industry when it comes to casting to finding actors where we can be specific. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because certain roles require certain things. Mm-hmm. You know, you couldn't you wouldn't see a, an application for Tesco's where they were like cashiers <laughs> must be blonde. You just you couldn't do that, but you can do that with acting yeah, yeah. work. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah, and like yeah, I agree. Like, if for example, they do want you know real people or people, for example, who haven't got acting experience who are in the military. Like, for example, when you see castings, like we're looking for real military people, mm. or we're looking for real teachers, or we're looking like they're look when you're looking for roles that actually require you know full time, <laughs> like, like you're in this position nine to five, twenty four seven. They're not on Mandy. I can assure you that. They won't have time to do this show or do this film or anything. They're busy teaching children or fighting wars. You know, which for teachers might think of the same thing. Yeah. Topical. <laughs> I've worked in a school, so it's kind yeah. of the same. But like, it's kind of like, me too. No, me too. No, absolutely. But it's kind of like, what do you think these people in their spare time are on Mandy having a scroll? Yeah, for, exactly. You know, for shits and geeks. You can't, like, you can't see a job description yeah. unless you have yeah. a profile, can you? Yeah. No. Well, no, they, no, you don't. Mm. No, you can't. Not if it's a paid one. Mm. You have to be a member to see if, like, or to apply to a paid casting. So, yeah, it's just, it's just, yeah, it's kind of just, it's not, I want to say stupidity, but it might be harsh. Yeah. But it's not clear thinking. Do you no, know what it's I mean? contradiction if in terms, to... isn't it? It really yeah. is. Yeah. There's just <laughs> they're not no reaching... point in them existing. <laughs> yeah, they're not reaching the right people. They're not right. reaching the right people. And I know how hard it is, actually. To be fair, it is extremely hard from past experience trying to cast dust and such. Mm. I actually found that it was extremely hard to try and cast inexperienced actors who are authentic to the area, who didn't have credits. Because it's kind of like those people, the reason why they haven't got experience, the reason why they haven't got credits, because they're not interested. Yeah. And I can't make them do it. <laughs> I can't make them do my show. I can't go, here's an opportunity, take it. They're going, no, you're all right. I can't go, no, no, please, please take this opportunity. <laughs> so unfortunately, I can, know, like, I can only work with people who apply, who yeah. want to do it. I'm not going to force anyone not to do it. And I was, you know, I was lucky that I managed to find some really good actors from the area who were interested in wanting to do it. But sometimes it is it's extremely difficult to find those, let's say, authentic mm. people who are reflective of certain things. Mm. It's like, how do you reach them? And, you know, you're not going to reach them by, you know, posting it to Mandy or Spotlight or even Twitter. I hate to say it, even Twitter. Because mm. I think Twitter is pretty used by... I think Twitter is used by people in the entertainment yeah. industry more than anyone. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I've never seen on Twitter, I don't know, Janet from Morrison's. She just... Uh, uh, <laughs> Posted a picture of clean up on R five. I like I had a really sticky situation at work today. Massive clean up on R five. But I, I've never seen that. Do you know what I mean? So it, even posting on Twitter, you got to mm. think: Am I reaching the right people? Mm. And I think sometimes that's a problem with the industry anyway. And like, I mean, across the board, when it comes to certain plays, certain things where it's exploring certain subject matters, it's kind of like you're preaching to the converted. How do you make this topic, how do you make this reach the right audiences who it's going to impact the most, you know? Another one for you, sir. This podcast is sponsored by WeAudition.com. WeAudition.com is a revolutionary website with loads of fantastic and useful resources for all you wonderful actors out there. On WeAudition, you can find a rehearsal or self-tape partner instantly, audition and take general meetings on video chat, 
get career advice from a wide range of industry professionals, and you can even earn money for rehearsing with other actors. So for all the listeners of Two Actors Walk Into a Bar, we've got a cheeky little voucher for you. Everybody loves a voucher, don't they? It's 25% off a pro membership. Two Actors, 25. T-W-O-A-C-T-O-R-S, 25. Shazam! It is cynical, but it's probably true that in some cases, if they're looking for people that are inexperienced, they know they can pay them less. Absolutely, yeah. That is, that's another thing that, I, yeah, that's something that did cross my mind. And you know what? I'm going to be really honest about this. Sometimes it's the bigger yeah. corporations that take the piss. Like you'd think, like, for example, that like I've had two really bad experiences. One was with Channel 4, one was with Channel 5. And I can speak about this because the idiots didn't, they didn't make me sign the NDA. <laughs> <laughs> If Channel 4 and Channel 5 listening, maybe invest in NDAs. Because we're getting some hot gossip right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, yeah, sometimes it's the bigger corporations, the bigger yeah. channels with the big money that take the, the biggest piss. Because they've got mm. the money. They've got the money too. That's how they make the money, mm. right? And now I'm not saying that's every production team that worked for these companies. But I was roped into something mm. that was filming for Channel 4 via Mandy. I got a, uh, a direct message from a casting director, producer, whatever he was, Snake, if you ask me. Um, and, I, and, and he was like, I really like your, uh, I really like your profile. We're filming this thing for Channel 4. Like, it's, it's going to be great coverage. Um, I'd like you to have a role in it, blah, blah, blah. Mm. I, I, you know, kind of vague-ish. I followed up with some questions. I was like, um, okay. Couple of questions. One, is it paid? Two, what's the role? Three, uh, is this something that I'll be able to create on the spotlight? Blah, 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 yeah. blah. It, it was like, it's not paid. We pay travel expenses, but it will be something you can use on your spotlight. <laughs> it will give you showreel material. It's going to be mainly improvised, but there's going to be a good screen time for everyone involved. And I was like, okay, so what is it? So it's basically pay, playing a patient in a hospital. So it's filming in a hospital, playing a patient <laughs> in the reconstructive horror thing, whatever. Um, basically, long story short, it turned out that I'd been roped into being an unpaid extra in this kind of like a background artist. Um, I didn't know this obviously at the time because because it was all very kind of vague and he kind of was like skirting around mm. certain things. But I was on set. I was in this hospital and it was a real hospital, so there was no green room. We had to wait downstairs with patients in the what waiting the room. Fuck! Like we just sat there. That's no, not yeah, right. exactly. That is not right. And I was what? younger at the time, so less experienced. And a, like an older actor walked out. They were like, "No, I'm sorry," and they left. And I wish I would have taken their lead, but obviously, little did I know. And I thought, oh, we're only going to be here for three or four hours, yeah. like maximum. We were there for eight, nine hours, right? I think that's how most people feel when they go to A&E and stuff. Only be a few hours and then... <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, honestly, it was like I was living the character. I, this was full method. I was a patient in the waiting room, you know, waiting for my big scene. Anyway, so after like eight, nine hours, we get called up to the set. What hospitals have got fucking wards that are free enough to just do a bit of filming on? This is we just there with some real patients. Like, yeah. what's wrong with you? Oh, I've got appendicitis. What about you? Oh, you know, I've I've had my leg bitten off or something. What, what about you? I'm an actor. You fucking what? Yeah. <laughs> if there's anybody that gets asked to do a casting call like this, please say no because you will more than likely yeah. get COVID. So I'm glad for you that you weren't yeah. there during the pandemic. But anyway, <laughs> no. tell me more. This was ye- this was years ago. So yeah, after eight hours of waiting around, we get called up, right, um, to do this scene, which we were told was going to be improvised. 
It weren't. Basically, the, the actors who were paid there had scripts. It was all predetermined. And, like, so, yeah, the costume line us up. They, they check our costume. Great. And then the assistant director, he comes out, and he's like, uh, what are these people doing just standing there? Um, and we were like, oh, costume just... Okay, he was like, well, can you go, please? We're trying to film something. <laughs> and we were all just so baffled. And then he literally went, before we'd even have a chance to, to sort of like, we were so bemused, before we'd even had a chance to move, he was like, um, sometimes today would be good. You know, we, you know, we're not made of money here. And I thought... <laughs> you're not made of money you're not paying us anything do you know what I mean um, so like, I was really pissed off by this point really pissed off and I was just going to walk there and then I don't know why I didn't I sort of bit my tongue and then uh, it got to us right and then so the, the, the producer whatever it was casting director comes over and he goes right okay so for this shot what, you, what I want you to do is I want you to move from over there to here okay I was like is that it he was like yeah so basically, yeah, all I was was a glorified extra in the background of the shot, right? I don't know why I went along with it. I was so pissed off by this point, and I was just like, you know what, fuck it. And then literally, we did like 20 minutes of filming, and that was it. It was like, oh, you can go home now. What the fuck? After sitting there for nine hours? I was just so taken back. I was out of my depth. I was inexperienced. I was young. I was like, I'm not quite sure what, what yeah. just happened. You know, mm. like, it was all very kind of... And by the time you got there, I'm sure you just really wanted the money back for your train ticket or your mm. petrol money. The one thing they did right was feed us. They did, like, put on, mm. like, a, a spread or whatever. Um, but in a hospital, like I'm not sure how clean that food was, <laughs> um, how long it had been sitting there. Um, but yeah, it was so surreal. And anyway, it, it wasn't until I got home where I sat back and went, Do you know what? You've just been rawly mugged off. Yeah. There. Like, mm. but the thing is, that experience taught me so much about the industry, it taught me so much. And I actually then later on kind of followed up with it and I actually wrote to Equity and I said that, you know, this is what's happened, X, Y, and Z. Um, the show was called Nightmares. I don't know if it ever aired. It was called Nightmares Channel 4. It was a series, an anthology series of recreated horror stories. I think the, the director was something called, it wasn't Rob Zombie, but it was something Rob. I was going to say, fucking like hell, that. if it was Rob oh, Zombie, that's, that's the, Jesus. Yeah, I know, I know. It's, yeah. Um, but <laughs> what really irritated me is once we'd finished rapping, the guy, the casting director, I think he thought it was a privilege for us to be there or something. He was like, oh, you might want to stick around just to say bye to Rob. And I was like, nah, I'm all right. And I'm like, I just, I was like, why? I've already wasted nine hours here. Why do I want to speak to Rob? Like, mm. I couldn't care less. Um, I'm paid for it. Yeah, so that was a real piss take. Real piss take. Like, so yeah, be wary of who contacts you directly via Mandy if it's nothing you've applied to. So that's yeah. what I learned from that. Because what annoyed me, he was like, yeah, you'll definitely be able to use it for your show role. You'll definitely be able to credit it. Um, okay, yeah, so what am I going to put on Spotlight? A uh, man walking in background <laughs> of hospital. And how am I going to put that in my show reel? Unless someone specifically wants to see. Uh, footage of me from behind walking down a corridor that I'm never going to be able to use that. Were you gowned up? Was your bum out? They, they really <laughs> had you. No, no, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. I was just in normal clothes. I was just in normal clothes. Yes, you were literally um, just Daryl. You were not a character. You were just you. Martin Scorsese's down. It's for the BAFTAs. And he's just sitting in a hotel yeah. room. He's watching Nightmares on Channel 4, which I've never heard of, but I'm 100% looking it up when we finish recording. And he's Do just it. like, Do hang it. on, that guy in the background. No, 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 that guy in the background. If you squint, you can yeah. make him out. Yeah. That's who I want. <laughs> That's the one. That's the guy right there. Uh, like, uh, and it's a dream of mine to work with Martin Scorsese. So if you are listening to this, Martin. Yeah, he's he's 100% listening to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you need someone to convincingly walk down a corridor, like, I'm your man. 
Um, I can also turn. I can also turn. Um, I can sit down. I can stand up. I'm very versatile. Marty is um, was the triple threat right here. Yeah, exactly. So I, I was got uh, invited to another audition. Um, yeah, again, very under wraps. It was. It was via backstage, and I cancelled my backstage subscription straight after <laughs> this because um, there's lots of dodgy stuff going around backstage. Um, the clues in a title, really, isn't it? Backstage, it's like, yeah. Shout out to backstage um, for listening. So yeah, I got, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, backstage, not as good as Mandy. That should be their tagline. Um, <laughs> Love it. It's so, Scarlett. Are you on backstage? I'm not. Cool. Neither am I. Oh, Brilliant. Good. This is staying in. Go. Wicked. Crack on. <laughs> Crack on. Um, so yeah, went to a casting call. Like the, yeah, again, the I was very vague. So I went anyway because I was like, okay, because they kind of sold it as, oh, you know, we're unable to speak about it because it's something really big or whatever. <laughs> so I went to it anyway. Um, turns out they were looking for actors to restage embarrassing sex stories, um, which required partial nudity for Channel 5 mainstream terrestrial TV. <laughs> um, £10 an hour. And also, like, he was like, and we can't, you know, what we're trying to do is we, we've scheduled each scene for three hours filming maximum. So it's like, oh, so you're trying to get this as cheap as possible. This is like, you know, you want to get this as shoestring as possible. And I just remember thinking, like, it's like, why? I was like, why? Mm. Why is it? Why is it no buyer? Why is there not like a proper fee attached? Mm. And it's like, oh, it's just the budget we've been given to work with. Oh, it's just the budget. But it's all hush hush, which yeah. makes it sound like it's big. And partial nudity and yeah. talking about. Sex. And I, I kind of thought to myself, all right, so it should. So what are the are the crew getting paid ten pound an hour as well? Is the director getting ten pound an hour? I bet they aren't. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I bet they're not getting paid the same as the actors. Yeah. So like, I, I, like I did the audition anyway, and I walked out just really feeling bemused. Anyway, I got a call, and they were like, "Yeah, we'd love to use you for it." And like, I had a friend in my ear at the time. It was kind of like, "Yeah, I know the pay's crap." Blah blah blah, but you know what? It, it it could it could be a great opportunity. You can have Channel Five on your CV. You can have a TV credit. Blah blah blah. And then I was like, yeah, but I don't know how I feel about um, my mother seeing me on TV. Um, With my basically, bare ass so basically, out. <laughs> not just that. Okay, so this is the story they wanted me to recreate oh, for God. ten pound an hour. They wanted me to recreate a scene of a man getting his penis. Uh, stuck in his girlfriend's vagina and having to and having to go to hospital trapped like it's like, in that like, kind of stuck together that's the scene they wanted me to recreate for 10 pound an hour hey and that links to the channel 4 show because you're an extra in the hospital there it's you a go nightmare. I just realised oh. there you go <laughs> it's all connected oh my God. it's all connected oh, fuck yep. can that even happen wow you've taught me something tonight oh. That's last orders at the bar, please. Last orders at the bar. So we've spoken uh, a bit about dust and such, and obviously you mentioned that it got Arts Council funding for the research and development, but is there a way for people to support this project now at all? No. No, I'm joking, it sure is. I was leading you up because no, I've done my research. I know you, you said were. No. I was That's like, why oh, I said it'd be oh fine. I no. said no. No, no, there's not a way. No, no nothing, nothing you can do at this point. Right? That's you it. heard it here first, listeners. You can't support this project <laughs> Don't even at bother. All. Don't even Don't bother. Just 
No. Fuck off. Leave it. <laughs> That's why. I mean, I'd love to do. Imagine if I was on national TV and I knew exactly what the, the person was doing. I just didn't give them anything, just for a laugh. I was like, no. No, yes, there is. If you go to, uh, if you just Google um, coffee, K O F I, and then type in my name, Daryl Draper, that's D A R R E L, not Y L. Um, yeah, you should be able to find um, a link to basically a fundraising page. So I kind of started the Kickstarter crowdfunder to prove to Arts Council that it's a certain level of support um, there. So far, I've got 6%. Of my grand title, which isn't bad to be fair, in the, in the middle of a pandemic, mm. you know, I'm so uh, thankful to mm. everyone who has donated. Thank you so much to anyone, because I know now more than ever, money is even scarcer. So if you've given me one pound, two pound, I appreciate any contribution. So yeah, there is, um, yeah, so there's a crowdfunder on, uh, so that's coffee, and just type in my name, Daryl Draper. We'll also put it on our social medias as well, so you'll be able to find that after listening to this episode. Yeah. And there's more information as well. So if you type in Apple Car Arts and Dust and Such, you'll be able to find additional information about the project, my artistic aims and all that. Um, there's even a recording of a rehearsed reading of the play on YouTube. Um, however, that is a reading of the basically the early draft of the play. And the play since then, obviously, has changed um, quite a lot. It's in a much better shape. But if you want to kind of just... I don't know, see the roots of the project or see its origins or see the development phase, then yeah, you can check out the rehearsed reading on YouTube. Where can people find you on social medias? What's your social media handle? On Twitter, I've got a really cringy ha- uh, handle because I made it when I was like, I don't know. I'm aware, so I want you to say yeah. it out loud. No, it's awkward. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. So it's at the mean double D. So that's the mean double D. And the reason why that is is because my name's Daryl Draper and there's two Ds. And, and he's uh, a mean, mean fucker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know where that part came from. I just thought it sounded, you know, kind of hip-hop. In a really he wanted to be of, a like, rapper in a way. previous life. <laughs> yeah, no, I did. No, no, genuinely, like, when I was younger, like, there I kind of, like... I went for an awkward phase where, like, you know, like I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a rapper. And then I quickly realised, no, you're not. You're not going to be a rapper. <laughs> Just sit down. Sit down. Shut up. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's where that came from. Also, whilst I remember, I just want to give another shout-out to another thing I'm doing with Apricot Arts called mm-hmm. Seeds 21. So Seeds 21 is a free it's a free theatre arts programme for those aged uh, 12 to 18. It's a way to gain some industry experience, creative experience. Um, there's going to be a showcase later on in the year, which is going to basically showcase emerging talent of that demographic, that age demographic. So if you're interested in gaining some theatre arts experience and being part of a showcase and bringing some projects to life, just Google Seeds 21 Apricot Arts and you should find information about how to register. Um, and we, we may also, I can't say names at this point, but we may also be having some really, really um, good industry Q&As for certain individuals. So, yeah, if you are young, if you're interested in getting into the arts, um, but are kind of like, I don't know where to start, then, yeah, Apricot Art C21 could be a good springboard for you. That's great. That's really good. Awesome. Well, I think I think that's an episode. I think that's how we end episodes now, but just saying, I think that's an episode. <laughs> that's the episode right there. Um, Daryl, thank you so much for coming on. This has been brilliant. And congratulations on what you've done with Dust and Such and fingers, toes, eyes crossed that it's able to progress further. I really appreciate you guys uh, having me on. 
No, thank you so much it's for coming been on laugh. as well. Thank you. And it's been great having a chat and sharing drinks. And I hope we haven't offended too many people <laughs> and you won't have the Channel 4 lawyers or uh, Channel 5 lawyers knocking down your door. Don't you but worry. Said... We, we manage it in one way or another every week. <laughs> I, I'm all for it. Any publicity is good publicity, <laughs> even if it's Channel 4 or Channel 5's lawyers. <laughs> what are you two still doing here? Go on, sling your hook. See you later, Davey boy. See you later, Scarlotta. We'd like to give a massive thanks to Rotaries for our soundtrack and to Megan Siggers for our artwork. And an even bigger thanks to all of you choosing to listen to us waffle on. Find us on all social media platforms and make sure to subscribe to us because we're actors. We need validation. Also, uh, sign up to Backstage because it's a brilliant <laughs> platform as well. So you can edit that into previous comments, you know. Sign up to Backstage and, and watch Nightmares on Channel 4. And also, if you can find the most embarrassing sex story of the year, Channel 5, give that a watch. That's a cracking, that's a, that's a cracking project. Um,